<laughs> oh, my, my, my. Happy Father's Day. Let's give it up for all the dads out there. Come on. Come on, cheer them on. Oh, man. Happy Father's Day. How many of y'all appreciated that, that little bit? How many of y'all, it wasn't humorous, it was just real. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, happy Father's Day. So glad you're here with us today. This is the one Sunday a year where I do not expect to hear amens. What I want is Holy Ghost grunts. Huh. So if you hear anything that you agree with, anything that speaks to your heart, just go, huh. So if I say Jesus has a plan for your life, you all say, yeah, come on. Every guy's dream to preach to a crowd like this, yeah. Come on. We're going to be giving all the guys beef jerky today, and all the men said, uh, yeah. All the ladies said, how come the ladies get devotionals and the men get beef jerky? <laughs> I want to say, uh, <laughs> yeah. Here we are, and I'm just so, so excited to be with you uh, on this Father's Day here. Here we go. While many of us are waiting on God to fix what is wrong, he's waiting on us to step up as men of faith and do what's right. <laughs> Define what's right. Come on. You know, sometimes we're waiting for God to do something. We're waiting on God to do what he can do. And really what he's just waiting for us to do as men is just do what's right. And do you know what the world's waiting for? It's waiting for people that'll just simply do what's right. <laughs> Not do what's expedient or convenient or easy. Just do what's right. And, and, and I think if we could boil this all down, I think that's really what we all want to do, what's right. But we're trapped in this convenient, expedient, easy mode, right? And that's why at Bridge City Church, this is what defines us as a band of brothers. We depend on each other because the world is depending on us. And everybody said, yeah. Yeah, come on, that's really what this is all about. We depend on one another as men. Why? Because the world's depending on us. And that's really the truth. The world's depending on us. It's depending on the truth that we have and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But somewhere we get lost. Somewhere it just doesn't, it doesn't work, right? Listen, this week we have at, at Bridge City Church, we have our, our Pittsburgh mission trip in and uh, I'm excited about this. And if, if it's, it's, it's Thursday night, then all day Friday, all day Saturday, we're just going to be doing really cool things to show people the love of God. And, and, and I'm signed up. I'm not teaching at this, this event. I'm signed up because I need it. My wife signed up. And Pastor Eric and Rachel are, are there. And I'm, I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Amen. It's not convenient. As a matter of fact, it's eating into my tennis time. And you know what? And, and I'll be honest. It was like, mm. I told my wife, I says, if I go to the tennis clinic and just help out, does that count as community service? I'm looking for loopholes. And it's like, mm -mm. no. And I'm inviting you to come and I'm inviting you to participate. Why? Because it's the right thing to do and the world's waiting on us. 
It's not waiting for perfection, it's waiting for progress. And it's waiting for a process by which we move forward together into this crazy, chaotic world and we try to figure it out together. And I want to invite you, if you're, if you're not signed up to come out and you can't come to the whole thing, just come out on Thursday night at 7 o'clock at North Bragg. Just come out. It's free. Just show up. And just be encouraged and get focused on the world around us because it's easy to get focused on us and only us, right? Am I the only person here that's like that? Uh-uh. No, that was a uh-uh. Yeah, it's, it's not, that's, that's what happens here. And so I want to go today to a text. And here we go. We're going to go back into the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. And we're going to look at David's mighty men. And David was a shepherd who became king, and he had mighty men. And, 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 and every man in here, I don't care what your age, come on, we all aspire to greatness. Am I right? That wasn't real confident. I've never dreamed of coming in second place. I've never dreamed in just getting a participation award. Listen, I want to win. Am I right? I want to win. But if we don't define the win, we're going to accept a different narrative on the win. So what does it mean to be a mighty man of God? And where do we start? Because we've got to start with where we are if we're going to get to where we want to go to. Am I right? And so here we have in, in uh 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave. <laughs> How many of you guys out there, I just got your attention. You mean it's in the Bible? I can escape to a cave? Come on, here's your chapter and verse. They escaped to the cave of Adullam, so when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And so here is David's first congregation with the mighty men of God. And this is what I want to speak to today. I want to speak to your heart. And I want to give, help you become a man of God. And I want to help all of us become the men and women of God that he's created us to be. But in every man's life, eventually something happens that you end up in a cave. It happens. David was destined to be king. He was prophesied, you're going to be the king. You're going to be the next king. Greatness is going to follow you. But then his predecessor, Saul, began to chase him and began to want to kill him. I want to tell you this. In between your call to greatness, to experiencing greatness, is going to be something's going to chase you. Something is going to track you down. Something is trying to, trying to take you out. Everybody has a Saul experience in their life that chases you into the cave. And I don't know what your, what your Saul experience is chasing you. Maybe it's bad financial decisions, bad relationship decisions. Maybe it's bad work decisions. Maybe it's, it, 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 you didn't have the, the right upbringing. Maybe you didn't grow up on the right side of town with the right family and all this stuff. I don't know what it is, but something chases us and we end up in a cave. Some people, their cave is the, the basement. Some is the garage. Some is the yard. Some is the workplace. Everybody has a different cave that they run to because something is chasing them. And in this situation, David and his mighty men ended up in the cave of Adullam. Listen to where it was. It was 17 miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place of God's presence. 
that was the happening place, the center of like spiritual activity. The presence of God was there. Like everybody would want to be in Jerusalem. It was 17 miles from there, but 10 miles from, from Gath, from the Philistines, from the world, like the complete opposite of Jerusalem. And this is where we get as men, we get stuck in the middle. And we hide in a cave because we know we're not good enough to be in Jerusalem, but we really don't want to be with the uncircumcised Philistines. We know we shouldn't be there, but we get stuck in the middle and we hide in a cave. Am I speaking your language? Yeah. At some point we get stuck in the middle and we hide out in a cave. But what we really, really need more than anything else is a come to Jesus moment. Now any real dad knows what a come to Jesus moment is. Yeah, a come to Jesus moment. It's this moment in time. It's this moment in time where, where something happens and there's gonna be a change of behavior and a change of action and a change of character. Something's gonna happen in this come to Jesus moment. But we need a come to Jesus moment and the only kind of come to Jesus moment we can have is the kind that brings us closer to God. And we need men to bring us to a come to Jesus moment because women can't do it. Hmm, laser, hmm. Could you get that definition for me? I appreciate that, thanks. It, like you, you gotta, see like, Natalie can speak to me redemptively, but she can't help me be a man. I need men in my life to help me be a man. And I say this all the time. Every man gets married and then realizes how much of a man he ain't. That's the process of marriage, and that's why we need other men in our lives, not just women in our lives. And everybody's like, huh. Yeah, come on. Yeah. No, I'm trying to speak your language. I'm really serious here. We need men in our lives to get a come to Jesus moment to be do it what it's really supposed to. And at some moment, you're going to find yourself locked in the middle, men, and it's what happens next that matters most. And I'm going to speak to your heart today to say, you don't have to stay in the middle. We know, and I'm telling you right now, you were not created for this world, you were not created for this, the, the, the destiny of just success defined by this world. You were created to be in Jerusalem. Amen. As men of God, that's what God created you for. And you can be there, you can live there, you can exist there, you can worship there as a man of God. Yeah, you can. Because Phyllis... Philistine is not where you should be. And there's some men in here, you've been living a little too close to Gath. And I'm calling you out today. But I'm calling you out to call you up, to call you over and say, we're going to Jerusalem, come with me. Because that's what men of God do. They love come to Jesus moments. They thrive on it. Because it does something within them. Verse Two, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Doesn't this sound like mighty men? Let's put a poster up. Okay, if you're in distress, 
and you're in debt and you're discontented. I want to be your captain. Yeah, and there's about 400 men with him. See, this is the beginning of mighty men of God. So there's three things that he mentions here. There's three things that are communicated. David's mighty men were in stress and anguish. This in debt doesn't mean that you're in debt. This really actually means that you're the creditor. You want other people to pay. Come on. What man hasn't said at some point in his life, I want them to pay? We are all tempted to want people to pay. I want to be the creditor. You owe me something. Does this sound familiar in our culture right now? Does this sound familiar? You owe me something. You better pay up. You better do something for me. This is what's in our culture right now. But listen, we're not going to be the creditor. Nobody owes me anything. I'm just going to experience God's love from the inside out. Come on, somebody. And discontented, you got bitterness, you're going to end up in a cave. These are the kind of people that go into the cave, but they never have a come to Jesus moment. And nobody loves them enough to call them out of the cave. And today is a day, and somebody asked me earlier, what's the title of today? It's called, it's time to get out of the cave. And I'm with a bunch of men that are doing just that. And I'm so thankful for the men of God in my life that call me up and call me out and call me to be better. I don't know where I'd be without the men of God in my life. I'm thankful for them. I am so very thankful. We live in a matriarchal culture. We live in a very matriarchal culture. And it's, it's very difficult to be a man of God in today's culture. It's difficult to be a woman of God too. It's just I'm speaking to men today, ladies. It's all good. But I'm in a room full of Men that are saying, you know what, we can do this together. And Bridge City Church will be a place that we will not emasculate men and get men to be effeminate. We won't make excuses for the stupid things that we do. God knows I've done a couple of them. But we're not just going to try to tame men. We're not just going to try to, to, to put a leash on you. We're going, we, want a, we want to harness that power. We don't want to leash it up and chain it up. Am I in the right place today? See, what is a mighty man of God? A type of man that when his feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil says, oh no, he's up. No, that's what kind of men I want to relate to. When you get, out of the, you get up in the morning and you put your feet down, the devil says, oh, man, I thought he was sleeping in today. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. No, that's what, it, that's what he is. What is a mighty man of God? And this is what we, we, we covered on Wednesday night. We covered this on Wednesday night, the four pillars of a man. I'm not going to teach these today. But it, it's a, a real man. And let's, let's, I'm going to say a man who, and we're going to say these out loud, okay? We're going to all say them out. Ladies, you're going to say them out loud too, okay? But use your deepest voice. <laughs> Y'all good with that? <clears throat> Y'all good? So I'm going to say a man who, who and then we're going to say these together. You ready? A man who... 
That's right. That's what the four pillars of a man are right there. Being built day by day. Now I'm going to tell you what a mighty man of God is not. He's not perfect, but he's in process. I'm not ashamed to say I'm a work in progress. Ever since I met Jesus four decades ago, I've been a work in progress. And he is still working on me. He works on me day by day. He works on me through situations and circumstances, but he's still working on me. I'm a work in progress, and that's okay. But that's what I am. I'm not perfect. We gotta, we gotta get out of our minds. There's a stereotypical perfect guy. Right? There's this, there's this perfection. It's like, no, listen, I, I, I make sometimes bad decisions, but I pick myself up and I move on. Right, men? Come on. I'm not perfect, but I am in process. That's what I do. That's who I am. I'm well aware of my shortcomings. And a matter of fact, if anybody knows them, I know them way better than you. As a matter of fact, sometimes people will come to me and they try telling me my shortcomings. I'm like, that's all you got? No, I'm serious. I was like, really? I could do better than that. But I don't stay there. That doesn't define me. Faithfulness, integrity, purity, honesty are all made up with little decisions along the way. That we got to decide what we're going to do before we get there, and that's going to be our decision. I got this little thing I've been doing, and uh, I, it, was on my, it was on my action plan. I said, for the first six months of the, this year, I'm never going to eat more than one cookie a day. <laughs> Except for big occasions. And, um, and, and this is on my action plan. And so I said, no, you can't, I can't like not eat a cookie for five days and accumulate. At midnight, it's over. And I, and I know this, okay? I know this is like a discipline. You know why? Because I'm practicing saying no. Do you know what we need to do as men of God every now and then just practice saying no? Because if you can't say no to a cookie, you're not going to say no to when the temptation gets bigger. Mm-hmm. So I got this one cookie thing in my mind. Two weeks ago, I went to a wedding. I'm sitting by the cookie table. I watched people reach under that cover of that cookie table and take them cookies. I'm like, that might have been mine. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm praying. P R E Y. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, okay, God, I get one. God, let it be the right one. <laughs> and then the person running the event, they, they make this announcement, okay? They make this announcement and say, don't take more than two of each kind. <laughs> That's permission. <laughs> I counted, there were 13 different kinds of cookies. There were cupcakes and cake. I'm not the smartest guy around, but I know that's 26 cookies, two cupcakes, and two cakes. Come on, somebody. 
Have you ever thought in your mind and start processing how you're going to do something that isn't right? <laughs> and I'm struggling. And I'm praying. I went into P-R-A-Y. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to do this. So I prayed over the right one. And I got it. And then I really won because my wife took half of mine and I got half of hers. So I got the taste of two for the price of one. And I did it. Some of you are saying, what does that have anything to do with your teaching? I'm not sure, but it was a really cool story. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. I'm just kidding. Now, listen, listen. What we got to do is if we're going to be a work in progress, we got to decide beforehand what we are going to be and what we're not going to be. Because if we don't decide beforehand, we're going to let everybody else define us. Am I right? If you don't define where the lines are before you get there, any line's going to do. Am I right? So that's what I'm talking about here. We got we to know what that means. And, and we got to hold to it. I know how to say no to things. Number two, he's not a peacekeeper, but he's a peacemaker. Oh, man. Matthew 5, 9. I could spend a long time here, but this is where most guys just clam up and quiet. I just want to keep peace. I don't want to say anything. Don't want to rock the boat. Don't want an argument. Don't want confrontation. Most people don't like confrontation. And the ones who do scare me. People all the time say, I just love confrontation. I was like, I don't want you as a friend. I'm just telling you that right now. I'm just, I'm thinking in my head. I'm just telling you that right now. Come on, you come and say, I just love confrontation. Who likes confrontation? What really, when people say they like confrontation, they just like to tell everybody else what they should do. And they don't want input. Just my thought. That's my experience. That's my personal experience. Yeah, but we become peacemakers. I just want to keep peace. I don't want to say anything that's going to rock the boat. I don't want to, like, I don't, I don't want a problem, so I'm just going to go quiet. I'm going to go in stealth mode. Men, you were not created to live in stealth mode. And a peacemaker is one who will speak up confidently and humbly, but yet still solve the problem and not just live in silence. We weren't called to control our world. We were called to, to step in and bring order out of chaos. This literally helped me in, as a father, that he didn't call me to control my children. There's a couple of them here right now. And um, he never called me to control them, but he called me to bring order out of their chaos. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> They're about, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, it's all good. No, I'm serious. Like, stop trying to control everything. Stop trying to control your boss. Stop trying to control everything that's going to happen to you. Stop trying to control the news. Stop trying to control the weather and just bring order into the chaos. Am I you with me? Amen. This is to free you. You weren't created to be a control freak. And that was for male and female in the room. Mm hmm. Yeah. Bring order out of chaos, and that's what you do. You speak up confidently, and I'm going to be a peacemaker. That's what I want to be. Num number three here is what he's not. He's not ruled by insecurity or pride, but humble and confident. I'm not going to let insecurity, which 
pulls people down and pride which pushes people down. Roll my life. That's not defining me. I will be defined by Micah 6, 8. And it, and it communicates, I'm going to walk humbly before God. I'm going to love mercy. I'm going to love justice. That's what we do. And I could be confident and humble. How about the 400 men that were trained warriors submitted to the shepherd boy? Think about this. Trained warriors submitted to a shepherd boy who wasn't even really the king yet in the cave. Think about the humility and confidence yet they had to have to do such a thing. Mighty men of God know how to submit to God. And they know how to serve others. Because why? We've been created to be in his likeness and in God's image. This last one is not independent, but interdependent. Just write down Titus 2. You can look at that. Titus 2, I'm not independent. I am not a self-made man. Remember, anybody says, I'm a self-made man. Man, I, I don't even know what that is. I want to be a God-made man. And I'm in a room full of men in this room. We're a bunch of God-made men. Ladies, I know you didn't know what the, you, know how, you didn't know how that goes. Come on. Yeah, come on. Am I right? They're God-made men. Amen. I'm not going to make myself. I want God to make me. I want God to turn me into something. I'm not going to be independent. I'm interdependent, and I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not afraid to say that. That's what I need in my life more than anything here. I'm so thankful for the men of God in my life. I'm, I'm going to keep saying this because if you don't take anything away from here, it's that we got to start having relationships that matter. In a Bridge City Church, we are a band of brothers and we all need fathers to follow and brothers to share secrets with. And if you don't take anything away today, this is what I want you to take away. We need fathers and we need brothers. Because in every man's life, there's going to be a moment where you're in a cave or you're at a, you're at a, you're at a decision-making time. And I've had a lot of them in my life. I've had times where I did not want to go home. Am I proud of that? No, I'm very ashamed of that. But I didn't want to go home because of the pressure and the tension and, and more month than money and, and, and tension at work and tension at home. And it was stressful. But I'm thankful that I knew who to call and when to call them. I'm thankful for the men in my life that know how, know how to say, you're going home. I'm so thankful for the men in my life that literally it happened. They said, I'm driving by your house in 10 minutes and your car better be there. I was watching outside the window and the car went up and down the street. Oh, no, see, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm not ashamed to say when, when, when I'm flirted with or, or when tempted to give in to temptation to another woman, I know how to say no and I know who to call after it happens. And ladies, don't beat up your man today and say, is that you? Do you do that? Don't do that. All you need to say is, do you have somebody you can call? That's the right question. Do you have a somebody you can call? 
Because he's not going to call you and confess that. Wouldn't you rather he have a godly man he can talk to? Wouldn't you rather he has a godly man that will talk to him as a man of God? These are real situations in life. Or real situations when you're feeling financial pressure or you're feeling this pressure come on your life and you don't know what to do because you have decisions to make. It's who you call matters. I'm not independent. I know what to do in these situations. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul is writing and he says, I'm not writing these things to shame you. And men, I'm not, I'm not saying these things today to shame you, but to warn you as beloved children. But even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. Do you know what we need? We need fathers in our life. I'm not afraid to say in front of the men here, imitate me. The rule of thumb in our home was, if, I, if I'm not laughing, it ain't funny. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty arrogant thing, but that was, that was the way it was. Like, if I'm not laughing, it's not funny. And if you don't hear me talk like that, you're not talking like that. You don't hear me say that, then you don't say that. If you hear me say that, then you're free. We never had Brussels sprouts at my house. <laughs> So my kids don't have to eat Brussels sprouts. Because <laughs> that was, that, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make you do it. Now broccoli, y'all going to eat some broccoli. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Imitate me. And spiritual father, somebody, they've been there before you. They can look at you and say, you're going to make it. I can look at all the men in this room right now and say, you're going to make it. I don't know what it is you're going through, but you're going to make it. See, that's just what a spiritual father does. You're going to make it. He said, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. There's no amount of tension you have in your life. There's no amount of fatherlessness in your life that a spiritual father can't speak to. They let you know you're not alone. And most of the time, spiritual fathers will pick up the tab when you have coffee and breakfast. But I'm here to tell you every now and then, it's good as a son to pick up the tab. That's how it happens. He'll say, how do I get this, Pastor Rick? You just find somebody older than you that you respect and say, can I have time with you? Can I just have time? And some of the guys in this room right now, you're like, man, I'm in my 50s, I'm in my 60s. How do I get a spiritual father? Just find somebody that can speak these words of life to you. Because everybody needs a spiritual father. Because the devil has run rampant and destroyed the image of fatherhood. But not so in Jesus' church. And we need brothers to share secrets with. Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. 
Proverbs 17, 17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of, yeah, we're all gonna be in time of need. And we need brothers in our life to sharpen us. I need sharpened. I need to become better. And I still have people in my life that I meet with and they sharpen me. I know who to call. I know who to call in these times. That's what a brother does. Someone you can confide in, but they never allow you to stay there. That's what a brother does. I listen, I love you, but you ain't gonna stay there. You're not gonna stay where you are. I'm gonna speak redemptively to you. You've been called for more. There's more inside of you. Come on, aren't those the coaches that we really long, we love the most, the ones that saw something inside of us and says, you got something to give. There's more inside of you. There's more in you. I see it. I can see it in there. It's hiding out in there and I want to get it out. Isn't that what we long for? Ladies, isn't that the kind of man that you really want to be married to? Isn't that what kind of church you want with men like that? Now, ladies, I'm going to speak to you, and I'm going to, I'm going to be really honest about something. And um, you get what you speak to. This is an illustration. It was a marriage weekend or a marriage event, an event that we had years ago, and somebody used this illustration, and it stuck with me. And so I'm going to speak to the ladies for a second, especially ladies that are married. You get what you speak to. If you speak to him like a donkey, you're going to get a donkey. No, I'm serious. You speak to him like just a like just a weighted down old donkey. I know some of you are wondering if I'm going to go there. No, I'm serious. You speak to him this way. You speak to him. And I'm going to go there like a jackass. That's what you're going to get. No, I'm serious. But if you speak to him as a stallion, you're going to get yourself a stallion. Huh? No, I'm serious. Like, which one do you want? Which one are you, do you want? And sometimes you're getting what you're speaking to. When you talk down, when you speak to him like he can't, when you speak to him like he won't, when you keep, keep arguing with him simply because you can multitask and he can't, and you treat like that as the biggest attribute in the world. Just my thoughts. It's Father's Day. Come on, somebody. Oh, I can't multitask. That makes you wonderful. Come on. Think about that. No, I'm serious. Think about think when you say when you think of it in that term, doesn't it sound like you're right? That is ridiculous. But we don't in the moment, do we? We speak down, you can't, you won't, you're no good. And I hear women speak to their men like that. And then they wonder why their men are like that. You start speaking to him redemptively and see what you get. I'm thankful that Natalie speaks to me redemptively. She, she, she doesn't use the evil eye. She don't. I said, I didn't marry you for the evil eye. There's some other attributes I married you for. That wasn't one of them. Just a thought. 
stop trying to lead him with the evil eye and manipulation and start speaking to him as the man of God that he truly is. And watch what happens in your home. All the ladies, y'all still, still good? I had, I had ladies before tell me, well, there's nothing I can say. Really? I know your man. He gets up and goes to work every day. You think he likes getting up and going to work every day and working overtime and working for the wage he got? You can't tell him thanks for that? No, see, see it's just a matter of what you're looking for is what you got to speak to. Find something you can speak to. Are, you, are we good? How many of you are happy you came to church today? Okay, here's the rest of the story. Rest of the story. I'm not going to read it all to you. Write down 2 Samuel 23. Rest of the story. Rest of the story. T subtitle, subtitle, right above there. David's mighty men. David's mighty men. David's mighty men. And then it goes on to write all this stuff about David's mighty men. Remember the guys? Discontent, in debt, in distress, in a cave, out of the cave, doing crazy great things. Come on. Oh, this is a couple of them. One killed 800 enemy warriors in a single day. Eleazar, another killed Philistines until he was too tired to lift his sword. Another fought in the middle of a lentil field and held his ground. Another used his spear to kill 30 or 300 enemy warriors. Another one went into a pit and killed a lion on a snowy day. Huh. That's cool, but you know what? I don't even have a spear. And there's no pits where I live with lions in them. Now think about this. There's, there's, that, that doesn't happen, am I right? So most men are like, I can't be that. I'm not going to kill 800 people. I don't even have a sword, let alone get too tired to lift it. Am I right? Think about that. So as guys going, yeah, it's kind of cool, but I can't relate. So what are the mighty exploits that the men of God at Bridge City Church will do. What are they? Dawn and Mike, may this be said of them, they loved one woman. They were faithful to her all the days of their life. They nurtured, loved, and cared for her. They were tempted, but they never gave in. That's a mighty exploit. That's a mighty exploit. Am I right? How about Dan and Adam? They were the best fathers they knew how to be. They turned off the TV when inappropriate things were on. They monitored the kids' cell phones and social media accounts. They stayed engaged with their kids and they demonstrated the fear of God. Mighty exploits. That's killing the enemy right there. Nick and Jeff, faithful to serve in the house of God. Their yes was yes and their no was no and they filled, fulfilled their commitments. Mighty exploits. Jeremy, Eric, Alan, they were good employees. They worked faithfully and diligently to make their boss lots of money. And they made things better at work. Mighty exploits right there. Gavin and Gary, K 
can. They gave generously to those in need, helped neighbors, and were the first, respo- first to respond when needs came up. Mighty exploits. Jerry and Josh simply invited other men to come to church. They spent time with them, listening, loving, and leading them in quiet and unannounced ways. That's the mighty exploits. That's what we cheer on. Can that be what we cheer on? Can that be what we value? Can that be what we value in this world? That men are tempted and beat up and pushed down and pushed around. But when it comes time to it, as a man of God, I want you to stand up right now. Will all the men just stand with me? Just the men right now. Can you just stand with me? All you're doing is you're just simply responding to an invitation to stand. I know some of you are worried right now. What am I agreeing to? I want to make it clear you're standing to an invitation to stand. And if at any time I begin to pray for you or encourage you and you just don't want it, sit down. No, I want to speak to the men in this room right now. And I'm going to say, there's a mighty man of God and you were created for these great exploits that I communicated to you. And I value you and I honor you and I support you and I want to see you succeed because I speak to you as a spiritual father because that's the role I'm in right now. Whether I'm older than you or not, that makes no difference. I'm speaking to you that way right now. And there's three things I want to tell you right now. You're not alone. You're not alone. In this world, you want to think that you're all alone. You're not all alone. And number two, it can be done. It can be done. We can do this. We can do these mighty exploits together. And number three is I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe what God can do in you. I believe what you can do in Jesus' name. I do with all my heart, with all my being. But you got to get yourself a father to follow and a brother to share some secrets with. you got to do that. If not, you take nothing else. That's the first step to getting out of your cave. Because many of you men, you realize you're in a cave and you got to get with somebody. Don't wait three days. Don't wait four days. Don't wait till July when you have a week's vacation. you got to do it now. Matter of fact, be, before you get your beef jerky, you got to look at somebody and say, we got to get together. Okay? And if you don't have enough money to buy them coffee, just say, can you save your beef jerky? We'll eat it together on Wednesday. Are you with me now? See, don't make it more difficult than it really is. You just make some time. Can all the ladies cheer these guys on right now? Come on, somebody. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for these mighty men of God and I ask you a blessing from heaven upon their lives. God, I thank you for who they are, for who they're becoming. I thank you, Lord Jesus, God. God, for, the, for these mighty exploits that will be done through these men of God. Lord God, thank you for this come to Jesus moment. We embrace it and we hold it tight and we hold it close, Lord God. And preserve every marriage, preserve every man, preserve everything done in the name of Jesus. I love you all, guys. Thanks so much. Pastor Eric, take it away. Amen.